I was actually um, given a little bit of a word this morning and realised as the services unfolded how significant the word God's given me is, but also how my nature can sometimes get in the way. I like to do things thoroughly. And we're starting a new series this week. And so for me to start a new series, I want to lay a good foundation. So I want to get all the nice, the theory in there and, you know, get the good biblical solid grounding so that we're not wandering off somewhere aimlessly. But I realise, and I'm going to skip through the, the first part of it a little quickly to get to, to the heart of where we're going, because I realise that I think my thoroughness is, uh, is a little bit of overkill. Please ask me questions afterwards if I go too fast at the start. This new series is um, I'm super excited about. I really am. We've titled it Tools of the Trade, Naturally Supernatural Lives. And it's, it's a blend of two very simple things that in Christian circles are very common and familiar. Spiritual gifts and evangelism. And these two things often are used autonomously and we actually carry a lot of, I'm going to call it baggage, church baggage with these two words. You know, you've probably done a spiritual gifts survey or I've actually heard of churches that do um, coaching in, in how to teach someone to speak in tongues to kind of get the ball rolling or even churches that are completely silent about it is actually talking a lot about spiritual gifts. Uh, in, in fact, when I was sitting on a train uh, as a uni student, was staying at my grandparents' place during the week and going home to Karamburra on weekends. And I was at Dandenong Station, jumped on a train and happened to start chatting to the guy opposite me. You know, we t- started talking about life and I, I t- told him that I was running a youth group in Karamburra but going to uni in the city. And he said, so do you speak in tongues? And I was like, uh, uh, no, I don't. He was like, how can you lead a youth group if you don't speak in tongues? What sort of leader are you? Your, your church is clearly a flawed church. There's something really wrong because you don't speak in tongues. And, and so right now, what I want us to do is all stand up. We're going to shake off all our preconceived ideas of what we're talking about in this series, right? Shake it off. Yep, done. You can sit down. Because there's so much stuff. And when you come to evangelism, it's the same. Who's had mission month in a church? Yeah. Who said, who said mission was something that happened for one month of the year? You know, there's tracks that we kind of get attached to tracks, maybe handing those out. Or maybe it's, you know, the four spiritual laws or the bridge principle. Or There's a whole heap of things in these two areas that churches, very well-meaning churches, have done that sometimes can distract us from the heart of the message. So I'm, I'm just going to start looking at spiritual gifts. The core of it is about building up the body of Christ. So with yourselves, since you are eager to man- for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. That's at the heart of spiritual gifts, is God providing graciously, beyond our capacity, beyond our measure, providing us with his Spirit so that we can be part of building up the church. Evangelism, we're kind of a little bit more familiar with this because everyone kind of jumps on Matthew 28 pretty quickly. Go therefore and make disciples. And in Romans we hear how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. These two things are very, very significant in our journey, in our walk in Christian life. They're fundamental and that's why we invest a lot of time and sometimes get a little distracted with other aspects of it. But quite often we look at these two things separately. 
We look at evangelism as something that happens probably that a missionary that we set apart and they go off and evangelize. And spiritual gifts is something that, you know, we, we explore and struggle and wrestle our way through individually and maybe someone might encourage us in youth group or young adults or something to um, work out what our spiritual gift is or something like that. But what I realized in praying about this, this series is that there's an amazing combination between these two things. And when we look at Jesus' life, this was his last instruction. The next line that we don't have here is it goes up in the clouds, right? So this is the last conversation that he's having with his disciples. And it says, and while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John was baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, talking about this not many days from now event, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Obviously, the Romans have taken over. They're not the most nice people. It'd be really nice if Israel was restored. And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but... You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So these two things, the power of the Holy Spirit that's going to come on you and being my witnesses are actually part of the same thing. When we think about building up the church, we think about it being an internal thing, a renovation. But it's actually about building up the church. (laughs) It's about the church. And the word church is actually just the gathered ones, people who gather with a common cause. So it's building up the gathering. So guess what that looks like? Going out and being witnesses for Christ. So in actual fact, the gifts are designed for the building up the church, which is growing the kingdom. So these two concepts are not actually apart. They're not, they're not separate. They actually go hand in hand together. And this is exactly what Jesus modelled with his disciples. We read in Luke 9, And he called the twelve together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. Clearly, demons and curing diseases wasn't their physical capacity. This was power and authority that was spiritual. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And I jump down to verse 6 and it says, And they departed and went through the villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Same sentence. These two things fit together in a beautiful way. And so today in setting this foundation, I actually want us to be excited about the fact that God has given us these two things. I think for most of us, including me, we fear evangelism. It's a dirty word. And the reason it's a dirty word is because we do not feel capable, we do not feel equipped, we do not feel able. And part of that is church leadership's fault. Because Ephesians tells us that the the purpose of the apostles, prophets, teachers and evangelists, have I missed one? Pastors. (laughs) How ironic. The purpose of those is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Equipping is furnishing, yeah? 
Furnishing is, is putting seats in the room. It's not sitting in them. So equipping the saints for the work of ministry, the purpose of leadership is to equip you to do the ministry. It's not to do all the work and everyone go, yay, go Matt, you're doing an awesome job. <laughs> it's to equip you for the work of ministry. So I've got to put my hand up and the reason this series is so significant and it's, and it's going to be very grassroots and um, down to earth and practical is because I think sometimes we get distracted and we don't equip the saints for the work of ministry. And this is the work of ministry, to be empowered by the Spirit to go out and testify to God's goodness, to the kingdom that's coming, the gospel that is at hand. This is a summary of spiritual gifts. You can forget that now. It's all right, be up on the website. It's a distraction. Sorry, it's a mat distraction. This is a, a probably a better reflection because we very easily get t- stuck into detail. And so what we're doing in this series is trying to, trying to look at spiritual gifts in, in terms of themes, in terms of what the, the theme of their purpose is. And so each week we're going to unpack part of the theme. Because if you get hung up on mercy, you're missing a lot of what God wants to do in your life. If you get stuck... On, on teaching, and that's all you can focus on, you're missing out on the abundance of what the Spirit wants to do in your life. So we're going to break them down into some simple categories to just unpack and to recognize what the Holy Spirit wants to do through us, yeah, through each of us. But it's going to take something really significant. And this is where I want to land today. This is, I'm going, to, I'm going to slow down now, okay? We've done the groundwork. I'm going to pause for a second. And the reason I'm going to pause for a second is because of time. In the New Testament, there's two words for time. We generally only have one concept for time, and that is the chronos type of time. That is an amount of time. It's linear. How long have we been here for? That's chronos time. How long before it's lunch? That's chronos time. And we are driven in our culture by this sort of time. Not all cultures around, cultures around the world are like that. Some don't actually have a word for time. Blows our mind. What? No word for time. We're driven by the thing. But we're driven by chronos time. It's where we get chronology, order. There's a bunch of words. A chronograph is apparently a, a watch is a chronograph. I had no idea. But they, they're all linear time. Yeah, it is Bad luck, it's going, it's happening. Whether you like it or not, it just keeps going. But there's this second word that I want to pay attention to this morning. And that is kairos time. And kairos time is a a, a specific moment, a significant point in time. And in the New Testament, it used in a sense of an appointed time in the purpose of God. An opportune time. It is an opportunity And a lot of the time, sorry for using that word, kairos interrupts chronos. So we've got this momentum that's going on, like someone who's trying to get to uni and read their book, and kairos happens. Chronos just got interrupted. All of a sudden, there is a kairos moment. 
And what I want to stop and think about today is are we excited, looking for and eager to spot the Kairos moments? Because I've got to say I'm not because I'm driven by Kronos. But what Jesus said in Mark 1.15 was the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. The kairos is fulfilled. There is a moment in time that God is stepping in. Bill Johnson would say heaven invading earth. Earth is our timeline. Heaven, God wants a different timeline, a different thinking of time to penetrate. And this has to be our premise for seeing our possibility in spiritual gifts and evangelism. If we don't believe God wants to interrupt our time with intention and purpose and opportunity, then it is going to be too hard. It's going to be too hard. In Galatians 6, 7 to 9, it says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. The harvest is ready for us. The harvest is waiting and God has a kairos moment. I would suggest every Sunday morning is designed by God as a kairos moment. We were given six days to pretend we're in chronos time and then on the seventh day he said, stop, stop. Do not forget meeting together. Do not forget that I am your God. Stop and worship me. So I'd like to think that every single person comes here wanting and expecting a Kairos moment because the day was set apart for a Kairos moment. And I would say this morning we've experienced that. There's been so many events that you go, ah, I can see God stopping our idea of time to say, I want you to pause and, and pay attention right now. But that's not just for us as Sam shared. That is not for us. Back at that passage from Acts 1, 1, 7 to 8, this is what he actually said in the Greek. No, it's not, but I've put the two Greek words in there. It is not for you to know the chronos or the kairos. Whether you're thinking about linear time or you're thinking about a God moment, you don't know what that is that the Father has fixed by his own authority. He chooses the chronos and the kairos. That's his choice. But... You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. So God chooses the Kairos moment, but we are the ones that need to identify it and walk it out. This is a beautiful, exciting opportunity for us and I am absolutely pumped by the idea of going into this week looking for God at work looking for the points where he says, Matt, see what I've put in front of you. There is an opportunity here. Do not be afraid about the spiritual gifts and about the ideas of evangelism. 
Don't carry the baggage of God of what the pressure is of what that looks like. Sit next to someone on a train and when you see the Kairos moment, take it. Be excited by it because if God's in it, then it's a great space. It's a really good space and he hasn't put you there by accident. It's not something that he thinks that you're ill-equipped for, you're unable to speak. Just look at those he chose in Scripture. If you want examples of people who were losers who weren't equipped for the job, just go through Scripture. Look at Moses. He couldn't speak. He had a lisp or something wrong with his voice. David was the loser kid that wasn't even on the lineup for the one who was chosen to be king because he was out in the field. Time and time again, each person that God uses in the world's eyes looks like a loser. So if you're waiting for the opportune time when you're the right person for the job, you're never going to see Kairos. You're never going to see that moment because God chooses that time, not us. It's not for you to know the time or the time, the Kronos or the Kairos, but when it's there, be excited about it and take it. It's ours for the taking. Sam's testimony absolutely nails exactly what I'm talking about. I've got one, but it's not as good. It's actually the, the train systems as well. So I got stuck at Cardinia Road Station with the train line saying it's off, it's done. No trains for the day. Well, for the foreseeable future. And I'm standing there pretending that I'm waiting for a bus, knowing that it's probably about two hours away because they've only just phoned up the bus company to say, hey, do you have any spare buses? Because we're not going to run trains today. And I look to my left and to my right and God has a Kairos moment and says, these people are your attention right now. And I'm like, well, that's pretty stupid. What can I do? And then I felt prompted to say, offer them a ride to Dandenong. Now, at the time, I had an amazing car. It was a Telstar, 1985 Telstar. (laughs) What was amazing about it was that it had four wheels. That was about it. Everything else about it was pretty, pretty risky because... Safety wasn't ideal in cars from that era, but you had to ride the the manual choke on it to keep it alive, right? So when you stopped at lights, you had to kind of adjust it a little bit, a bit more, a bit less, too much, it's all starting to stall a bit less. And then you'd you'd take off and you go, oh, better back back off now. So you're not only driving the car, but you've got this extra thing to consider to keep it alive. That's when it starts. Again, you have to try and get the, the fuel flow right so that it actually gets going. And I'm thinking to myself, how on earth can I offer these guys a ride to Dandenong? (laughs) So I turn around and say, guys, um, I know we don't know each other, but it's pretty clear we're not getting a ride into work. The bus isn't going to come. I don't have much to offer. Like, it's not a glamorous ride, but if you want, I can give you a, a ride to Dandenong. That, uh, two of them knew each other, the other one was just someone else. And all three of them said, that'd be awesome, that'd be great. So I re- reiterated at this point, now it's not the most amazing car. <laughs> it's, it's not that special. Do you know what? It was such a Kairos moment. We spent the whole car trip talking about life, about who we were, about 
what was significant in our it was phenomenal and yes at lights I had to go please God keep this thing alive for a little bit longer because if it stops it might not start again I didn't I don't know and so I was I was praying fervently at lights to keep this thing going but then two weeks later I bumped into one of these guys at arena shopping center again very very easy to miss he came up to me and he said Matt Matt Thank you so much. That meant, that meant so much that someone who didn't even know us offered it. And we've been talking about that since. For the last two weeks, we've been talking about the guy that gave us a ride to Danny Nong Station. And I'm so glad I get to see you again and say thank you for that. We got into work. We were only half an hour late. It was fantastic. And my friend and I have been talking about that ever since. And I was like, I had no interest in that moment. I had no desire to get myself into that space. It wasn't appealing at any length. And it wasn't until two weeks later that I actually heard how significant it was for them. I actually dropped them off at the station and said, I'll go find a park because Danny Nong at nine o'clock in the mornings, there's no park. So I just dropped them off at the terminal and kept driving um, to find a spot. So I didn't even get to say goodbye to them properly. But two weeks later, I found out from them that this was significant. This was meaningful. And I think we miss these moments because we don't want them. We miss these moments because we're not convinced that we are capable and we're not even convinced that God is capable of giving us what we need at the right time. And so really I just want to pause for a second and really encourage every single one of you that this is a beautiful space. God hasn't wasted his effort and energy and preparation on you. He's actually prepared you well. And the things that he puts in front of you, he's put in front of you because he actually believes you're the right person for the job. Sam was the right guy to speak to his friend on the train. This is actually a phenomenal foundation to prepare for unpacking what God wants to do through his spirit, to to work out what's in the toolbox But if we do not believe that God actually is prepared to interrupt our time for his agenda, we're going to miss out. We are going to miss out. Let's pray. Oh God, we so often get stuck in in our own time. God, we so often get distracted by what's come or or what's coming. Lord, we're sorry for that. We're sorry that we don't trust you. And we're sorry that we don't trust what you've invested in us. But Lord, we don't want to stay there. Lord, we want to be excited by what you're doing. So Holy Spirit, I ask you right now, reveal yourself in a fresh way, Father. Give us revelation to see to desire, to eagerly look and find your your Kairos moments. Lord God, we want to be part of your, your purpose, your intention. You've called us to follow you. Holy Spirit, give us hearts for your time, for your opportunities, for your agenda. Open our eyes to see and give us hearts to care.
for what you're doing. Thank you, Lord. I actually think some of us have got a little bit of business to do this morning with God. And it's not a place of judgment, but it's a place of just acknowledging what's going on inside. Those areas where we're maybe not as excited as we could be. We're not as trusting of him as we could be. There may be some that go, I'm not actually sure I know what the Holy Spirit looks like. If you don't know what the Holy Spirit's voice and intention is, can I please encourage you to come and chat to me afterwards? If you go, I really like the idea of that, but the idea of identifying a God time just seems foreign. The idea of seeing what God's doing or being equipped by what God's able to provide me with is something that you go, I don't know what that looks like. Can you please come and see me? Because I spent so many years of my life in that position. And it's only by God's grace that he provided people around me and examples of, uh, of what a different way of understanding is that I was able to actually receive the Spirit and move and walk in the Spirit. But I know it's a very lonely place. It's a very burdensome place. You feel like you are um, a fraud. You feel like a fake. And you feel like you've got to do a lot of work that you just can't achieve. And that is not God speaking. So if you're in a position where you go, I, I don't know what functioning, living life through the Spirit's power looks like, then can you please, 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 please come and talk to me. If there's something that you want to set before you this morning, if there's something that you want to say, God, I want to commit this week to seeing your Kairos moments, can I encourage you to go speak to somebody else? Not me. Because part of being body is standing with each other and saying, yes, I'm going to stand with you. I'm going to ask you about that in a week's time. And sometimes that can be a motivator. <laughs> Someone's going to ask me about my Kairos moments this week. I better put some intention to it. And that's okay. That's healthy. But more than that, it's standing with you going, yes, I am prepared to stand with you and encourage you in this and spur you on in this and believe that God actually wants a Kairos moment, Kairos moments for you this week. And you may even pray together. Just put it out there. <laughs> I just got this picture of, um, I don't know whether it's Molly, but it looked like Molly, with, um, with a leash around their neck tied onto the leash. Yeah, it wasn't, wasn't hurting them. It was fine. It was comfortable. But then the owner just threw a ball. And, and that's what it's like not knowing the Holy Spirit. It's cruel to say, I, I want you to go and be my witnesses to all the world, to all the earth. Be my witnesses and testify to my goodness. Speak in tongues. Raise the dead. Perform miracles. Speak prophetic words into people's lives. It's like having that leash and have a, a ball thrown. Not knowing the Holy Spirit in your life is, is just a cruel way 
of trying to do what God wants you to do. And, and when you look at the dog scenario, they just can't do it. As much as they try to run the leash, it's, it's just not going to work. So if you're in a position of not, of not having that freedom, if you, if you feel like you've got that leash on, um, please don't stay there. Please do not stay there. It, it, is a, it is a hard place to be, I know.